Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. This is July 25th, 2020, 6 p.m. on KKNW of Talk Cosmos, and we're beginning the Leo archetype. You know, the sun entered Leo hours after the last second Cancer new moon, which was on the 20th of July. Leo looks to the sun for its guiding rulership, and the energy wants to manifest creativity sufficient light that develops great growth but excessive can be destructive and in my own mind i've thought that this could designate the many cultural belief systems that of creation and destruction it's the life force of energy never ending so this leo edition of planet buzz we are addressing the United States natal horoscope, and that's July 4th, 1776. And the common chart that's identified by many astrologers is a Sibley chart at 5, 10 p.m. And concerning its Leo North Node at 6 degrees, 35 minutes, which means the South Node, which would be the same degree, 6 degrees, 35 minutes in Aquarius. It's an axis and we'll discuss further what these nodes really refer to. But essentially, in evolutionary astrology that considers soul growth, and there's many aspects. I mean, it does not just evolutionary. There's, my guess, is a psychological astrologer, and we are eclectic. We borrow and use many ideas. But going back to the evolutionary astrology for soul growth transformational process, it integrates these opposing energies of the north node with the south. And the north south node represents what's familiar. And as it is, we know this from the standpoint that our planet is going northwards. We're not just orbiting around the sun, but the entire solar system is going northwards towards Polaris, our North Star. And so integrating that which is opposite of us has is a soul growth opportunity that, because it can be very different, but yet it balances the shadows and the lights and the strengths. So we're wondering what tensions can direct our best creative powers for individuals and for the whole of the nation. And we'll see if history can guide some of these past storylines. We've had 14 returns of this exact Leo Aquarius noodle accent since 1776, and we're definitely not reviewing all of them. It's quite a task. And thankfully, my guest has a good discerning realization, and we will have a wonderful conversation about possibly what we might be looking forward to as our manifestation, our creativity. So now is the time we're ready for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles, 
and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant, plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology both in person and remotely. I have a blog. I have written for the mountain astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, as below, as above, as above, as below. Well, hello, Laura. It's great to connect once again, Dr. Yes, absolutely. Good to be here. It is. Now, the nodes, I think, as we had discussed and agreed, we'd discuss that a little bit, give people Mm -hmm. an idea of these energies. And because the south node, which happens to be in the same sign as our natal, when I say our, the United States is, because people might be listening from everywhere, but the United States um, moon, they're both in Aquarius. So it's an energy that's really very personal for this nation. Yeah, well, and I think um, it's always helpful whenever you're trying to understand a given sign to look at its opposite, to look at its polarity, because they're each what the other needs to learn, right? So to really understand Leo, you have to look at Aquarius because it's a reflection of it. And, and it's the shadow side, both good and bad, right? That Jung talked about the golden shadow as well, right? The shadow is just what we project onto others to own. So Leo doesn't want to own Aquarius and Aquarius plays that out. And part of, and it's interesting with the U.S. having that polarity because Aquarius, Aquarius is many things, right? But particularly in EA, one of the things we talk about Aquarius as being tied to is trauma. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that is a big piece of this story is the early traumas of this nation, how this nation was founded and the both the traumas that were uh, perpetrated against the indigenous people who were already here, that many people in Europe who were coming here were fleeing traumatic situations, and then the trauma that manifested with slavery and that all of this super early history that was all happening as the Declaration of Independence was being drafted is, you know, the South Node, I think of as like, it's where we come from, mm. right? It's, I think of it as like old hat, comfy sweater. It's the way of engaging that takes no effort as, as individuals, as people, that's how we experience it. It's like the part of us that like 
it takes no effort for us to engage with the archetype. And the, the beautiful part of Aquarius is the innovator, is the revolutionary, even the rebel with the cause, right? The always that forward thinking energy constantly and innovative energy. And we have that as a nation for sure, you know, that the technological advances that have happened here are I think part of that Aquarian South node. Um, and even the, the, again, to go back to it, just the reason for the declaration of independence, right? It was a revolutionary concept to break away from a monarchy. Yes. So I, I do think that that's part of the beauty of that South node, but all signs have lower and higher aspects. And so, you know, in that evolutionary idea of sort of traveling toward the North node in the evolution, the, the soul of the country, the larger zeitgeist of the nation evolving into the healthy expression of Leo, which is not egoism, but ego strength, right? A healthy sense of self, a healthy sense of self-worth. That that's what we're attempting <laughs> to, to cultivate. It's so true. And what comes to mind, there's various many things that come to mind with that wonderful um, identification of it, is the inclusiveness. Because we're like picking up the lost strands of all who have become this, this conglomeration of this nation. Because, and it does seem to be always in my mind, a bit of a dichotomy when I think of Aquarius, that there are these two really pillars. There's this elevated, higher, um, like-minded, wanting to elevate the group versus the trauma of broken uh, patterns, which comes along with elevating and it also comes along with sudden changes which it really is and uh, and in some ways being needing to be objective about those emotional breaks or they aren't necessarily always emotional but eventually it does get to the emotional but we've and the got the moon there so that's yes, I think that's where the emotion is. comes in so um, that's but that trauma whether people brought it with them or imposed it, as you have said, is really crucial to realize that now we're a collective whole sort and we've got to include all the history to so that all people can have that will. You know, like you say, the, the Leo will for yeah, their own destiny. That ego strength and that it's not coming from a place of trauma. And it took me a while when I first stuttered when EA found me, as I describe it, um, of how, because I hadn't come across Aquarius being about trauma previously. It's very much an EA language. Evolutionary astrology. Yeah. Um, and the way I reconciled those two seemingly really different ideas is so much of our trauma is tied to not being accepted feeling rejected, feeling isolated, 
not having a group, right? That that's part of that where it links into the Aquarius is like, if you don't feel like you belong and Aquarius is about groups, mm-hmm. that's really traumatizing. And not feeling like there's someone who understands you, Leo, ego, self, me, who nobody gets me. I don't have a group. I don't belong. Um, And that that's part of what we're wrestling with as a nation is how can, is, you know, I think when it's like if as a nation we're operating from a place of PTSD that perpetuates yet more trauma. Well, it also feels right into our Chiron, which mm-hmm. comes up again and again because it's in Aries. And right now, Chiron is in Aries as an eight-year cycle. So it's many years. We'll be talking about it for quite a few years yet. It's been in there for about two years. Because the last, just a, um, the last nodal return that we had was in 2018 June 13th and at that time Mars was nope I'm looking at now because okay uh well at that time Chiron was just beginning to be in in uh two degrees of Aries but then in this last solar return which was its birthday our united states birthday on july 4th which happened to be the lunar eclipse also which was a total eclipse where the light goes out it resets there's dramatic energy for i mean we have eclipses i'm speaking to our audience every six months and we have anywhere from four to six a year but still there they have uh it's a significant energy, energetic pattern. And the fact that it landed exactly on the United States solar return, when the sun returns at the exact same uh, degree, 13 degrees as it is in Cancer. So what I'm driving at is that Mars, which is in its six-month transiting uh, ingression of Aries, was at four degrees, and two degrees away from that last uh, nodal return of two degrees. So it's like one of the aspects when you're talking about our wounds, I think. Sure. And what you're saying about not everybody being inclusive, which is the problem of trauma. It's in this other area of archetypal. I'm I'm supporting this, absolutely, saying we're really dealing with this energy of how to transmute because as far as Chiron just to finish that energy thought is is that it's not just wounded healer that's unable to heal their wounds but they do through a shamanic uh, um, alchemy of what you're saying with Drawing back from what you're saying about the North Node in Leo, that it's not just will for the self, it's will to manifest the best of ourself for the generosity, like the light of Leo, to hand out to others. Yeah, because I think Leo, when it is in its most beautiful, heightened, balanced expression, can be, is charismatic, but it can be charisma with humility. 
right? I remember years ago, it was right after 9-11, like what must have been like 2002, because it was just as we invaded Afghanistan after 9-11. And I heard, I went to hear Howard Zinn speak, who wrote, you know, The People's History of America. And he was a pacifist and he was amazing. And at the time, I mean, he was probably in his late seventies when I heard him speak, but his charisma on stage without ego was so beautiful and he was passionate and he was driven and he wanted people to understand what he was saying. And yet there was none of that out out of balance, Leo, attached to whether we listened to him or not. It was more about the idea. It was his And in some ways, actually, like a very Leo Aquarian quote of his that I always remembered was that if you don't set unreachable goals, you'll never reach them. Mm, It's like reach for the stars. And it's like, so, and he was saying in the context of like, so why not shoot for utopia? Why not? try to manifest a completely beautiful, peaceful world. It, we might not get there, but we sure as hell won't get there if we don't try. Yes, exactly. It gives the parameters. It gives the, uh, the intention. Intention is just about everything. And impassioned to the love. That, that's also part of Leo is this great love, this, this love of life, of of sharing, I think, that that joy of living. So And creativity, creative. you know, it it that playfulness, that creative spark that is, you know, I mean, again, like it's part of this polarity, right? In the constitution, we have the our inalienable rights are to pursue happiness. Well, how Leonian is that? Yeah, you know, we're supposed to all be happy. Yeah, well, you know, it, we can't be if we have boundaries where we reject others. I think it is right. this tolerance. It's that merging of the, which is no news to you, but it's, it's like merging this south node of Aquarius that not be, without being elitist, because that is the shadow side of mm-hmm. Aquarius, where they can say, yes, my group doesn't stink. <laughs> Not if you got the wind going in the right direction, maybe. <laughs> you know? In other words, everybody needs to recognize that all groups of any form have their their place. And that includes, I might just add, I'm a fond of thinking of the homeless or the people in prisons, which have no denomination of anything. They just happen to be there in that category beyond race and culturally and et cetera, et cetera, to be... So, uh, yes, shining. So looking at some of these, I'm just trying to draw back into, you had mentioned about, well, because of the rulers. Okay. Sure, yeah. Thinking of both rulers, we have Uranus and we have the sun in Leo, but the sun can be in many different signs. So that's. Well, although it never so yeah, that the, how the sun would engage with the nodes would happen with much greater frequency. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was looking so you know planetary relationship with signs. So Aquarius, right? We associate the modern ruler, right, of Aquarius is is Uranus, and 
it's currently the last couple years been squaring the nodes, which is always very powerful, right? In evolutionary astrology, it's a super significant aspect if you have that natally. Because when that happens by transit, which is what we're experiencing as a nation. And we might just quickly give an aside that that a square is a 90 degree angular uh, mathematical aspect that constitutes a necessity for resolution because there's a lot of tension, tension in that aspect. And if it's the nodes, that planetary energy is looking to the south trying to uh, resolve or make a resolution with that and the north, which means a totally new area. So it's like you're toggling and it really needing to, I always think of a tidal wave somehow mm-hmm. or not tidal well, wave, that's like Mark's, cross yeah. currents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for Jones, sure. That's Mark Jones often uses the wave as an analogy um, with that, I'm, like hitting the breaker wall. Yeah, I just back. see it, or cross currents, you know, like riptides that are going yeah. across. That's how I just visualize. Sure. So um, as you were going, yes, go ahead. Yeah, and so it's, it, I was looking historically, because Uranus moves so slowly, right? It takes Uranus about 84 and a half, 85 mm-hmm. years to go all the way around the Zodiac. So in the history of the country, Uranus has only been in Taurus squaring the U.S. nodes two other times. Well, it actually had, yeah. Um, and it actually, yeah. So it, it's been there in the last year. Um, but um, the last time, or in one of the more significant ones that I saw was sort of the first time that that happened happened in and because Uranus isn't a sign for a while because it takes 80 you know it's depending on sign about seven years a sign um so between 1852 and 1853 Uranus was going retrograde you know went retrograde so it hit it squared the U.S. nodes twice or three times with its retrograde cycle and one of two of the things I found very significant that happened during that time because squares are forced change, right? You, it, they're unavoidable. Um, they often, you know, in sort of the last hundred years, have been thought of as squares are bad and trines are good. I don't see them that way. Squares are unavoidable. Trines you can actually choose not to engage with, so that's not necessarily beneficial. They're just, yeah, they're, but, um, so squares are unavoidable. So it's this force change with the, the long-term trajectory that the country is supposed to go, right? If that's how we think about the nodes, because for the country, if there's not an actual soul, right? In an energetic sense to the country that's evolving with multiple lifetimes. Um, so in 19, or 1852, excuse me, the book, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe was written, and it is still in print today. Um, and it was the first book, mainstream book, novel that really addressed what was happening in, with slavery in this country, mm-hmm. and a very honest look at it. Um, and it sold thousands of copies. 
in the 1800s. It sold thousands of copies. Um, it was really seen as a seminal work and very significant to the abolitionist movement that led into the Civil War 10 years later. And the year after that, there was, I discovered, I haven't read it, but there was a book written or a, a article written called The Provincial Freeman by a woman by the name of Mary Ann Shielcray, who was the first black woman to be published in the United States. Mm. Well, and also a- then about slavery and abolition, the abolitionist movement. And that they were both women and that it's in Taurus felt really significant. Not only was it about values, right? Which is part of the Taurus archetype and revolutionizing what we value, (laughs) but that it was women felt really powerful to me that they were like, it was two women's voices that were this catalyst that don't now maybe get the same history told about them like we get the story of frederick Douglass, who was fabulous but that that it was women that's a very good point dr ted because it carries this theme in three ways one is it's literary well well one is like the me too movement as of 2018 when we had a return nodal return because we had a nodal return also in 1850 just prior to then i mean i'm just thinking of sort of significance for that but in leo this creativity and in there were quite a few books i noticed too in later years that were very prominent but this book i mean prominent in the case that they were wanting to integrate awareness of dis- disfranchised peoples and certainly the the slavery is are one of the focus i mean totally essentially uh, dislocated in, or groups of people that we've needed to that's had so much necessary um uh, inclusiveness that's the word i keep thinking of so it, that is an exact example of the creativity of of leo through a literary form one that is about empowering people to be on elevated terms ridding the slavery and the trauma and and with current times so that's really it's a a pathway yes it's yeah it, it felt really significant and women and women me too. yeah that that was that it was women because it was also so revolutionary for women to be published full stop let alone talking about controversial issues well another one back that themes keeps going like with women okay earlier i noticed on may 12 1832 when we had a six degree uh, Leo Aquarius return for our our nodes that New York uh, in Boston. Well, it started in New York, but it somehow in Boston, but it was New York anti-slavery social society organizes. I'm just looking at my little notes. So that's like another Mm-hmm. And here in 1850, we had one, but you're saying in, in 52, which is close. Then in 1869, uh, for the next 
return, women's suffrage was big, and also the, quote, colored National Labor Union and the first black labor convention in Washington, D.C. So that book, I mean, through, you know, each lunar time, this, it's a theme that is being repeated and repeated of correcting along with um, the women's, you know, the suffrage. I mean, all these different fractions. Labor became one later. And there were a couple of books. The Jungle, I think, in 1906, which was another uh, lunar return, but that was um, the corruption of meatpacking. And the only other one that I noticed was in 1925, which was another lunar return. And that was The Great Gatsby, which Ooh. is about class struggle. So yeah. literary, I guess that's the way to help change people's ideas. I was thinking like, well, if we think about some of what's happened more recently, right, that like, how much people are reading because they're stuck at home. <laughs> yes. Right. I mean, I mean, nothing, there's lots of books being read right now. I don't, and probably people who are, are writing a lot too and we'll see what comes out of that in six months or so when people are you know have a finished product to get to press but that may be part of how it's been showing up now is is people rediscovering certain books um reading literature that they wouldn't have read before reading you know that um particularly in relation to race relations and anti-racism and um just this groundswell of reading that people are doing. Stories and telling true inclusive stories. I love this. We will return with Dr. Laura Tad at, for the Leo Planet Buzz. And this is July 25th. And you're listening to it also on the 30th, Thursday. And thank you so much. We'll be right back. While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Leo, ruled by the solar sun. Having departed from a cycle based on the internal process of emotional attachments requiring security and safety, the energy of Leo externally manifests our legacy through children and artistic creations. As a fixed Yang fire sign that desires to ignite actualization, Leo the Lion takes the risk to generously exhibit love and welcome all to share their stage with joyous pleasure for living life. Hi, this is June Rose Trimbach. I'm an astrologer and healer, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, where we unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconscious. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk, 1150. Well, again, this is Leo Planet Buzz with Dr. Laura Tad and myself, Sue Rose Minahan. And we're talking about the United States nodal axis, which is six degrees and 35 minutes of Leo for the North Node and for the South Node in Aquarius. 
And we have been talking about various years in life, about its manifestation, like what and how can this mean for the whole of us to embrace our highest destiny and the will of ourselves that includes everybody. So, Dr. Tad, I sure appreciate all your research because you'd mentioned 1944. Let's come up tomorrow. Sure. More. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that was looking at the Uranus return, right? And again, sort of focusing mm-hmm. on Uranus because it's the ruler of the South Node. And that, so it's a very significant, to understand the nodes, you have to look at the planets that they have relationship with. It's part of sort of the peeling, peeling of the onion. Yes. Um, astrology. And so because, again, Uranus has this 84, 85-year cycle, you know, it's, it has had, we've had two Uranus returns in the history of the country. And um, the next one is in seven years, almost exactly to the day, actually. It will be July 26, 2027. <laughs> Whoa. <amazing. laughs> so okay. almost to the day. Um but so, because I think particularly when you look at transits and, and planetary cycles that have these large arcs, it becomes really interesting because they become very significant points, right? As opposed to, oh, well, the moon is going to transit your sun every mm. 28 days. Like that's, yes, you may quick feel changes. something, yes. but it's quick. It's going to be a couple hours and it's going to happen every month. But these but, are steady like laser. They just really... But with these, it's, it is, it is super significant. And, you know, and as humans, we maybe experience it once, right? If we live to 85, we have one Uranus return. Um, And I've noticed it to always be a really significant thing for people and a point of crisis because Uranus, again, being tied to Aquarius, it can be a point of crisis. Um, and that what I've saw with my grandparents is that those who made it past 85 made it into their 90s well easily without a problem. Mm. And like 85 was a crisis point, and then they were okay for another 10 years. But so as a nation, looking at it, and so the first um, time we had a Uranus return was pretty much the beginning of the Civil War. Um, and I mean, the exact hit was April, uh, April 1st, 1861 and Fort Sumner, which was the battle that launched the civil war was April 12th, 1961. So again, given that we're dealing with years that it would have been in orb, we're in 11 day sub exact, um, That seems very significant. And then the one right after that was May 30th, 1944, which was within a month of, of or within, you know, a week of D-Day. It's incredible. Both of them have such power of impactfulness to be, to think of. And of course, there are. Go ahead. And then even though D-Day didn't take place on U.S. soil, it was, I mean, it was our real launch into World War II and so significant in American history, even if it was on French soil. Well, 1944 was also a, a, one of our 
um, north no well lunar returns to that six degree Leo 34 and Aquarius. And at that particular time in February, this was February 24th, and here on the West Coast, it would have been at 1.41 p.m., almost 1.42 p.m. Uh, but Pluto was exact conjunct the North Node also. Mm. And so as a synthesis of all of this, it's uh, quite amazing. I'm looking at what else. Um, oh, also at that time, Saturn was conjunct natal Mars. And, and as far as the south node, we had Venus in Aquarius. So again, back to uh and where was Uranus? Uranus was in what? Um, so those. That, oh, um, that's right. Yeah. So Uranus would have been, you know, in its. Of course, it was Gemini. It was Gemini. A, it was yes, Gemini. Yes. 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 And it was four degrees going in orb of that. So because right now I think this really poses. Um, this is a powerful year, 1944, that you've brought up that with the return. Because I noticed, too, that with our 2018, nope, forget that thought here, Sue. I'm grabbing for thoughts. But for July 4th, just this last year, they had our solar return that happened to be the lunar, total lunar eclipse was in Capricorn, but it was a lunar eclipse that uh, Venus is in Gemini. And so it's triggering mm -hmm. the both Uranuses, you know, for this last, for that, both those years. And, and so it's triggering our, the events that were powerful. I mean, mm -hmm. life operates that way. And, you know, here, one of the things I wrote down, and I hadn't realized it was that year, but victory gardens, Mm -hmm. had I thought they had started much earlier, but somehow it, it said that in 1944 there were victory to ease food shortages besides D-Day. Well, because that would have been when we were really, really in World War II, and that was really what brought about the victory gardens. So That's true. It would have been. So there is, you know, if you look at life right now as energies, it seems like one of the wills that's been promoted from our uh, government leadership that we're nationally involved with right now, presidentially, is more of a power structure. I was just reading a synopsis of, of that that says released a national defense strategy that said great power competition, not terrorism, is now the primary focus of U.S. national security. So when you start looking at how not just, and, and this is the stress, I think, the struggle of crisis, as we're mentioning, you know, that is part of this whole involvement is incorporating the entire fractions into the whole because certainly we have 
part of our strength is to have a good economic system. But what is it based on? What are the values? That gets like back down to Iran is right now in Taurus. That is square, as you say, our nodes. I mean, Leo right now, uh, the, the natal ones in orb. In fact, it's going to be pretty exact. I think it's at 10 degrees Taurus right now, and it's going back to six, which is going to be exactly square again. So it's really a trigger point. And to have an, an emphasis that is totally on a corporate appeal and on a power structure, but where is that power based from? Is everybody included? And it does not seem, according to public concern, when you look, because the moon does represent the public also, that there is room to grow in this department. We need mm -hmm. to, and, and, it, and the fight isn't over. You know, we have Mars in. Well, yeah, you know, and I think that part of, if we look at this idea that with the Uranus square the nodes and in evolutionary astrology, right, the part of the resolution to the tension of the square, at least how I was taught it was if you stand on the planet that's square, whatever's to the left, right, is where you, mm -hmm. what needs to be resolved. So in the U.S. chart, that means it's the south node. We're not done. There is unresolved stuff in the south node that this nation needs to resolve for us to have a healthy ego. And so it is this piece around groups, but that are inclusive instead of, you know, the old ruler Saturnian energy of groups, but this is mine and this is yours and we don't engage with each boundaries. other. Yeah. And boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. And okay, you can have Tradition. a group, but you can't be part of my group. You have to be part of your group. And this segmenting and segregation, um, even when it wasn't, you know, the segregation that was in the South, you think about New York in the 30s, in the 40s, right? It's like, well, you had Little Italy and you had the Bronx that was largely Jewish. And it's like everybody was in their own little bubble, their own little pocket. Conclave, right. And there was safety in that. As immigrants, oh, well, you didn't have to, you know, my grandfather spoke Yiddish, till, spoke no English till he got to school because his yeah. parents were immigrants. My grandmother spoke, spoke Norwegian. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, he lived in the Bronx, but he didn't learn to speak English till he was six. Yeah, She lived um, in Brooklyn and she, the same, same thing. Yes. And so that, I think part of this square, it's like it forces us as a nation to go back to Aquarius and go, okay, healthy Aquarius. <laughs> Thank you. There's something you haven't manifested as a country. Yeah. And because it's, Uranian energy, it's really even more disruptive than just a square, right? Because the Uranus is expected. Oh, yes, exactly. Uranus is tricky. It breaks medicine. the pattern. It, yep. Just like I the think planet. Uranus is like wildy coyote. Oh, <laughs> I like it. Uranus. Yeah. Right. Caroline Casey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very coyote medicine. And, um, and in that wildy coyote or coyote medicine of getting caught in its own scheme, right? All of the Native American myths with coyote, coyote's always getting caught in his own tricks. He's, he's oh, always yes. stripping himself up. 
You know what's beautiful about this, Dr. Tad? I like this so much because I love the mythology. And yet we are, with the Western world, so based out of Greece, which has a lot to be thankful for. But yet there's many more ways of interpreting our stories and understanding our world and the indigenous native cultures here such as a coyote and have great truths so i appreciate it that's part of the new story because leo also it creates it is children it's our children but it's also it can be our drama it can be our music it can be our theater it can be the stage you know everything we put on it and so it's like we're all in the play we're all actors yeah and and having that that creative and and you know coyote in some ways is mercurial too he's very mercury like Mm. right i mean it is archetypes and there are parallels with other things but i think that that can be part of the to go back to chiron it's like well chiron as the wounded healer you are healed by helping others who are wounded in the same way yes making your story the story of all so that they can embrace it you know part of i think what we have to reconcile in this country is reparations potentially or you know really and it's interesting when people talk oh well the original sin in this country is slavery and not in any way to take away from the that what happened or the descendants of slaves, but I take it a step further back and go, I'm sorry, it has to be how the Native Americans were white. I do. I agree. I think like it, this broken arrow promise. Go ahead. That that that's the first sin. And slavery was right on the heels of that, but the near genocide of the indigenous people of this continent um, needs a way more recognition and to be spoken about and taught. And I think we're getting, I mean, it's part of Christopher Columbus's statues coming down and state after state saying, no, it's indigenous people's day, not Columbus day. Yeah. What is sacred has been shifted that it isn't just isolated to this one identity, but yet that it's something that's truer and broader that can hold many more cups, many more cups. I think that that's part of what like we're being asked, kicked back that, that wave that's being kicked back to the South node is saying sort of, Oh yeah, you got to deal with the trauma, the original trauma of how the indigenous people were treated and bring in their story yeah and that's right and looking at the nodes right now which are in north node gemini of diversity and trickster in the sense that what you see isn't necessarily the direction of what it intends to give which is part of that energy and it's communication and then with sagittarius of of higher knowledge and belief structures and all of that, that in cultures that, you know, there was an idea of, and I don't mean to have this go into reparation, but that it would be perhaps one great way would be to do neighborhoods. And I thought, wasn't that an interesting thought just from the current energy of now, whether 
that might just be a focus because as we know, the nodes last for 18 months, but that is we're in the very beginning of this Gemini Sag. Yeah, and so it's it's about talking, right? That mm-hmm. Sag is, is the That's philosophy. True. Sag is big ideas, but it doesn't necessarily share them. <laughs> and Gemini has to talk about it. Um, and so I think it's why there's so there are, there's conversations happening now that have needed to happen that are hopefully going to move the needle. Um, and you know, people not staying silent. Now, if we do think of this as a nodal return, that's like a seed point for until the next nodal return that goes through its phases. And I'm expressing this for our general audiences benefit astrologers realize that astrology is cycles and it has phases where as we were saying it has these degree factors it's either many degrees could be 90 degrees and it can be between that but also at opposing 180 degrees opposition and etc but back in june 13th 2018 when the nodes were back at 6.35 degrees of um, Leo Aquarius, it happened to be that it was just after a new moon in Mm. Gemini. The moon here is 23, or the sun is 23 and the moon was 28. And so I don't, didn't quite return it to find out exactly what the degree was, but it's right close. It would be within a degree, well, if it's 13 degrees, it would probably be back about 22 degrees of the sun, at least, because Mars is 21, our natal Mars. So meaning that this nodal return is very uh, connected to that Martian energy of 21 degrees Gemini. And of course, the nodes are, are, they regress from 30 down to one. It's a, that's their pattern. The nodes, which are intersections between the moon's orbital path and the sun's orbital path as it so uh, what i'm getting at is that oh and the moon was 28 degrees what am i getting at i'm just getting at the communication i guess the emphasis that yeah well and whenever there is lunar or node lunar node returns right it's a new cycle is being put in place for the next 18, 19 years, right? It takes the nodes 18, 19 years to go all the way to return. And so it is this sort of like, okay, new chapter, a new chapter started then that we're just barely in. If it's an almost 20 year cycle and we're two years in, um, right. That it's, going to be a minute before maybe we get a real sense of what this next chapter is. Um, but in a few years, they'll be flipped. And that may be when we get clarity about yeah, that. Which I suppose when I think about it too, it, it does uh, emphasize the talking, the need to express that this is the diversity, the talking, that it's so important because the sun and the moon emphasize unity and not every return had was at a new moon. This was one of the second ones in 
in our entire history that happened to be in Gemini. And along with it, there was the, the same signature. Oh, I'm looking at this. Well, Mars was also conjunct in Aquarius with the South Node. So I... Okay, back to the North Node of Leo. We have, well, how many minutes do we have? Oh, I might say that next week, I believe we have the Moonbeam team. And we'll be talking about the Leo New Moon and the Aquarius Full Moon. So we'll look at this whole energy a little bit more in relationship to life. But I'm now with Dr. Laura Tad for the... Planet Buzz, and we're talking about the USA nodal return, and it is July 25th, and we thank you so much for listening, and of course, you can always listen to us at Podcast One, if you don't catch us live on 1150 KKNW, that's always online. So we have a couple of minutes here, and there will be some music, but we can talk during the music for about half a minute Dr. Tad, just to, <laughs> now that I'm finished with all of that, tying this up, leaving our new destiny of being beyond our fears, beyond our wounds, including ourselves and creating, creating, dreaming of everything that that's really our destiny is to dream each and every individual in this country. And perhaps that's really the greatest, oh, inspiration that we could give people is to yes that's your birthright as a citizen here i would say there's some overlay about that yeah um well and i think going back to communication it starts with like well first amendment freedom of speech And I was trying to find it. I had it somewhere and I can't find it now, but there is a quote by a Supreme Court justice um, that was a, in a ruling about the First Amendment. And um, part of it, if I'm remembering, I was trying, I had it written down, now I can't find it, but um, that something to, because it was Justice Hugo Black in the 40s. And it was something to the extent of, he said that, you know, that the, Founders of the country chose to encourage a freedom so that for, if enlightenment was to ever triumph over slothful ignorance. Oh, I, that's beautiful. Over slothful. Slothful. Oh, slothful, slothful ignorance. Slothful ignorance. And so I think part of that Gemini energy, right, is, is that with the, with the nodes now is, is that, you know, that communication and freedom of speech and that not, and using that Leonian energy, going, accessing that North node to be creative about it, to be passionate, that Leo passion, that Leo drive, that Leo. Um, fire. <laughs> yeah, the fiery nature of, of Leo and the, the conviction that Leo has. Right. And that even if Leo is not at all confident, it can pretend that it is because it's great <laughs> at acting. And so it's sort of a bit of like, make it till you make it. Yeah. Right? The intention of really, ex of, of, of manifesting one's 
full potentiality, you know, is, is so beautiful. And it's connecting. That was another element as you were speaking of Gemini. Well, thank you, Dr. Tad. It is such a pleasure. I'm so glad we have this little series for you folks. Just go to Talk Cosmos and you can listen to other talks we've had. It's on Podcast One or your favorite podcast or subscribe and you'll find out because we'll be back in Virgo. But right now it's Leo time. Do be with blessings and love. Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.